Hey, well, welcome everyone. How are we? Happy Easter. Good to see all of you. My name's Ryan. For those that are new or visiting here today, I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I'm just so excited to be here with all of you celebrating for with what's for me my favorite time of year. I know there's other good times of year, like summer and uh, Christmas. Do we have any Christmas lovers out there? You love Christmas. You love the Christmas lights and all the all the stuff that goes along. I get I get it. Christmas is great, but for me, nothing beats this time of year. Nothing beats Easter. I've loved Easter ever since I was a young kid. In fact, here's a picture of me loving Easter as a kid. Check that out. Yeah. How about that blast from the past right there, huh? Yeah. Weren't expecting that today, huh? Mid-90s. I don't know why I look so good in this picture. Other than all I can think is God has favorites. God has favorites. Um, uh, also, I don't know why my mom dressed me up in all black and my sisters were all wearing white on Easter Sunday. It might have been my mom's not-so-subliminal way of telling me I'm the black sheep of the family, but oh, I got an awe. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I can, I can work on that with a therapist. Um, enough of that. Anyway, I love this time of year. I love spring. The weather is slowly but surely getting warmer. Uh, baseball season has started. Go Cubs. Um, and hey, come on. And uh, my favorite event, the Masters. The Masters is in full swing right now. So excited about that right now. Um, but I just, I love this time of year. I love this time of year because it's getting warmer. Things are coming back to life outside. And that's, that's what this day is all about. This day is all about life. Life bursting forth, life taking a stand, life over death. That's why I love Easter. That's why I love celebrating the resurrection. Because with life, listen, with life comes hope. And if there's one thing I, I think we, we could all use a little bit more of in this room today, it's, it's hope, isn't it? And I'm not sure where you come into this service this morning, today, but, but I know that many of us here, we're, we're looking for this and we're longing for hope. And perhaps you find yourself in like an impossible situation right now. In the wake of a broken relationship, your, your health is not what you want it to be right now. Things are really difficult and it seems impossible to get through and you're just like, you're clamoring for, you're looking for, you are so desperate for hope right now. But maybe for many of you, you're not like in that kind of impossible situation right now. And, and life for you is, is just tremendously mundane. And you wake up in the morning and you can barely get yourself out of bed, but you kind of put one foot in front of the other and and you kind of have this question in your mind, like, is this all there really is to life? And you're looking for purpose and you're looking for meaning, you're you're looking for hope. And, And if that's you at all today, if that's you, then I think you're in the right place at the right time because today I want to share with all of you a message of hope a message that the Bible simply calls the gospel. And the gospel, simply put, is a message about Jesus, his teachings on the kingdom, his death in our place, and perhaps most importantly, at least according to the New Testament, his resurrection. And all of this is what the New Testament calls the gospel. And the gospel is simply an old English word for good news, Good news, and that's what I want to share with all of you today is just simply put some good news, is some good news, but it's a little difficult for me today to share some good news because we find ourselves in like this multi-year stretch of fake news, clickbait news, endless news cycles, news addiction, and just plain old bad news. Our world is flooded with it. 
bad news. And so for me, like this morning, sharing good news when we have been habituated day after day, week after week, year after year, perhaps for our entire lives toward bad news for years, it's difficult. But deep down inside, I know that each and every person here longs for and wants to hear some good news. Now, not to bring us all the way back to the beginning of the pandemic, but I'm gonna bring us all the way back there. Anyway, how many of you remember the YouTube show started by Jim Krasinski? Remember Jim from The Office? Some good news, do you remember that? John Krasinski, okay, yeah, because it's Jim from The Office. Thank you for the correction there. (laughs) It exploded, it exploded. At the same time, searches for good news uh, on Google just like skyrocketed. Uh, following for Instagram accounts like Upworthy and Good News Moments. Uh, It just went crazy because we were longing for and clamoring for good news anywhere we could find it. And so I, I think that we find ourselves in this spot where we are eager. We are primed for some good news. And so that's what I want to do today. I just want to share some simple good news with all of you. And I'm going to do that from the Bible from the Gospel of John. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and get those out right now and turn to John chapter 20, verse one. That's where we're gonna start. That's where we're gonna be, John 20, verse one. And in this chapter, just to kind of set the table a little bit and set some context, we find ourselves with some people who have just received some really bad news, maybe the worst news of their lives, the man that they had chosen to follow, the man that they had chosen to devote their lives to had died. He died, and all hope seemed lost. And he didn't just die. He died like the most gruesome, shameful death you could possibly die at that time. So that's where we find these people in John 20. And it says this, John 20, verse one. Now, very early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, while it was still hopeless, while it was still full of despair, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been moved away from the entrance. And so she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John, the author of this. He's always got to sneak it in there that he's the one that Jesus loved. And he told them, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And so then Peter and the other disciple set out to go to the tomb. And the two were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and reached the tomb first. Cue joke joke about John running faster than Peter, yada, yada. And then we read this. So the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary, she she stood outside the tomb weeping. Mary stayed there weeping. Why her? Why her and and not the the disciples, not some of the apostles, the people that were supposedly so close to Jesus? Why does she seem to care so much in this moment when the disciples just go back to their homes? Simply put, it's because Mary is a true disciple of Jesus. She's a true follower of Jesus. And she is often overlooked in these gospels. You know, when we think of the people who were closest to Jesus, We often think of the apostles that were named John, James, Peter, Philip, the fisherman, the tax collector, the sons of thunder. We think of all of those guys. Those are the guys that get the headlines. Those are the guys that get the attention. But Mary, Mary is actually mentioned 12 times in the gospels, almost more than any other apostle. She had an intimate, 
close relationship with Jesus. A little backstory on Mary in Luke chapter eight where we're clued in to this, this part of her story where Mary struggled with like demon possession. And, and so, so here we have this woman who, who struggled emotionally and spiritually. But then she encountered Jesus and at the hands of Jesus she had experienced incredible healing and incredible hope. And so naturally we find her here weeping at Jesus' tomb grieving over this bad news. Not only has this man, the the one who brought her hope, the one who brought her healing to her life been put to death, but now she she goes to his tomb to finish the preparations and and the body's missing. It's it's gone. And so for her, this situation had seemingly gone from from bad to worse. It was just more bad news. And and I I have to believe that, that some of you find yourselves, again, in that spot in life where not only are you in a bad situation, not only have you received bad news, but it just kind of seems like day after day, the bad news gets worse. Maybe in that broken relationship, every time you try to go back to it to seek reconciliation and to make things better, things only get worse and you wonder, oh, when are things finally gonna be good? Or maybe recently you lost a job and initially you were like hopeful and you're like, you know what, it'll turn around, I'll find some work, but with the economy being shaky, you can't find work right now and finances are getting tighter and you're just like, when is this situation finally going to make a turn for the better because it just seems like things are going from bad to worse. I I know what that's like. I know what that's like to to find yourself in this spot where you just feel like things are only ever getting worse and it's exhausting, it's painful, it wears on you. And maybe worst of all, when when you have nothing but bad news thrown at you, first of all, you only ever expect bad news but, but, but perhaps even worse, you start to grow, listen, you start to grow really skeptical when good news comes your way. When you hear some good news, you are so conditioned toward bad news that when we hear it for the first time, we often think, what's the catch? What's the catch? And we're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when we have that good news start to wash over us, we, we begin to catch ourselves and we brace for like impact or disappointment. We can't recognize the good news that's right in front of our faces. And I can't help but think that this is exactly where Mary was. Let's keep looking at her story. Look at verse 11. As she wept, so she's still grieving, still mourning the loss of her, her teacher, her friend, her savior, she bent down and she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head, one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? They're like, this is, this is good right now, what's happening here, but Mary can't see it. Mary replied, they've taken my Lord away. Don't you understand? You're sitting where he was. And I do not know where they have put him. And when she said this, then, then she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, again, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Hint, hint, I'm right here. But look at, because she thought he was the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, 
Tell me where you've put him, and, and I will take him. I mean, you see where Mary's at. She's, she's in this spot where she is grieving. She is weeping. She, she is lost. And so what was in her perspective a bad situation that had only gotten worse, and she finds herself, and she's trying to solve the riddle. She's trying to solve the mystery of this empty tomb. And in her mind, it's just more bad news. It's just more bad news, even though she has two angels robed in white sitting where Jesus was, even though she quite literally turns around and sees the very man that she was looking for, she, she can't see the good news that's right in front of her face. She mistakes Jesus for a, for a gardener. And I have to imagine that that some of Jesus' very first words when Mary Magdalene got to heaven were, a gardener? Really? (laughs) Like, seriously? We don't don't know why Mary couldn't recognize him exactly. Maybe it was all the tears, all the tears in her eyes. Maybe maybe at that moment, remember, it was dark, and maybe at that moment the sun was just kind of cresting over the horizon, and the light was kind of backlighting Jesus' face, and she couldn't make out his face. Uh, but maybe, maybe just maybe she was so overcome with, with grief, so overwhelmed with bad news, that, that, that she couldn't get herself to come to terms with the reality that something incredible had just happened. That, that, that something miraculous had just happened. That, that what had just happened would change the world forever. She couldn't see it right there in front of her face. You know, Brene Brown, um, she's like a speaker. You guys know Brene Brown? Yeah? Yeah, sort of. You guys don't? Three people over here do? Okay, cool. Um, she wrote a book on leadership, and, and she, she writes this, kind of about our experience. She says, something good happens in life, and we start to celebrate it, only to find ourselves thinking, don't get too happy. That's just inviting disaster. How many of you respond that way to good news? Raise your hands. Come on, let's encourage one another. Three of you are being honest. Okay, thank you. (laughs) This is how we respond when we've been so conditioned to bad news that when good news comes our way, for a brief moment, we allow it to wash over us and and, and we we experience joy, but like five seconds later, after the excitement has worn off, you get this like panicked feeling. Like, oh no, what's the bad thing that's gonna happen now? What's the bad news that's coming my way? And she says that we respond this way when we hear joy, when we feel joy and hope, because joy and hope are some of the most vulnerable emotions that we can feel. Joy and hope at good news, it actually becomes this place of great vulnerability for us. It becomes this place of beauty and fragility and deep gratitude and impermanence all wrapped up into one experience that, that, that really in a world where we are so accustomed to bad news, we, we, we don't know what to do in that moment other than move to this spot of self-protection. And that, that good news can't be for me, it's too good to be true. No, no, that good news, it's only gonna lead to bad news, it's only gonna lead to disappointment and I'm not gonna get my hopes up in this moment. It's almost like we grab vulnerability by the shoulders and we say, not today, vulnerability. You're not gonna trick me. You're not gonna fool me. I'm not gonna fall for this this time. And so when something hopeful happens, when something good 
happens, when we hear good news, maybe the best news ever, we, we get defensive and we plan on being hurt. But listen, this morning, I am not going to allow that mindset to dictate our time together. Because today, on this Easter Sunday, gathered together, I want to tell you about the good news. I want to tell you about the best news ever. The best news ever. That there is a God. There is a God who made this world out of love. And with a deep desire to spread this love throughout the entire world. And even though there's brokenness, there's bad news that that, that permeates every aspect of this world, this God has gone to extraordinary lengths, extraordinary lengths to restore our partnership and our relationship with him in order to bring about this love and bring about this goodness to every facet, to every person in this world. In the face of hopelessness, in the face of despair, Jesus has made a way through the darkest nights and through our most wayward wandering by taking upon himself our sin, our shame, our brokenness, by living a holy life and by dying on a cross. But we know that death did not have the final word. It did not. And he defeated death once and for all. This is the good news. And I want to share with you that this is not a myth. This is not a nice story. This is history. This is the reality that we live in today. And Jesus invites you to believe this. He invites you to receive this and to follow him in his life-giving, life-creating work in this world today. And listen, he specifically invites you. He invites you and you and you and you and all of you. And here's the coolest thing. He invites you by name. He invites you by name because he knows you, he cares about you, he loves you, and he longs for you to join him in his work. In the face of despair, this God, this morning, invites you to live a life of hope. Look at Mary again. Last we saw her, she was weeping, she was crying, she couldn't even recognize Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. She's just thinking, all of this bad news, but everything changes in in John 20, 16. Everything changes there with one single word. Jesus said to her, look there, Mary. That's all he said. He said, Mary. And look at her response. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus Jesus just called her by her name. He just said her name and in that moment, Mary knew that everything had changed. She knew who it was. She she was like, that's my my teacher. That's my maker. That's my friend. That's not the gardener. (laughs) What was I thinking? That's Jesus right there. That's Jesus. In that moment, Jesus simply calls her by her name because he knows her, he cares about her, he loves her, he longs for her to to see and recognize and hear this good news and join him in sharing this good news. And in that moment, all the bad news is forgotten. The worst thing is over and hope rises in her heart. Everything changed. Frederick Beckner, he's a writer and a pastor. He writes about the resurrection. He says this about it. 
He says resurrection means that the worst thing isn't the last thing about the world. It's the next to the last thing. The last thing is the best. That's the message of the resurrection. No matter how hard life is right now, if it's the worst thing, listen, it's not the last thing. It doesn't have the final say in your life. Because Jesus rose from the grave and conquered sin and death and all that comes with it, shame and loneliness and hurt and pain and despair, we can now walk and live lives of renewed hope. They're all defeated. And listen, here's why. Here's why. It's because the physical death and resurrection of Jesus are more than just about the physical death and resurrection of Jesus. They point to something beyond it. Listen, those things are true and they are vital and they are non-negotiable, but they point to a reality beyond themselves. They point to the reality of, of, of a God who is capable and who is powerful enough to do that. That's what they point to. They point to a God of love that not only knows you by your name, but he looks at the hopelessness and the brokenness and the seeming irreversibility of your situation and he declares over what you're going through, behold, I make all things new. That's the good news of the gospel. And so believing this good news means that no matter what you face in this life, listen, everything is gonna be all right. I don't mean that in some kind of hakuna matata sort of way, all right? <laughs> everything will be all right because Jesus rose from the grave. And it wasn't an accident. It wasn't out of nowhere. It was all part of this larger story of God moving toward our redemption and toward our restoration and toward our reconciliation. And so belief in this historical resurrection gives rise to hope in our life. It annihilates fear and shame and despair and the brokenness we encounter. It annihilates those things because it is incompatible with those things. It is antithetical to the bad news that we hear day after day after day. Now, is, is there still suffering? Is there still brokenness and hurt in this world and the reality that we live right now? For sure. As the pastor of this church, I hear story after story, week after week of pain and hurt. And so we wait. We wait for the fullness of this reality to come barreling into our world. We wait, as J.R. Tolkien said, for all sad things to become untrue. We wait for that. But know this that Jesus rising from the grave was the first fruits of all sad things becoming untrue. It's like a down payment on this new reality, like the cherry blossoms blossoming outside, signaling winter's death and spring's arrival. And so yes, we do wait. We wait for all sad things to be untrue. We wait for the fullness of this reality, but we do not wait without hope. We have hope now because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do not passively wait, barely beating back despair. Because of the resurrection, we can now actively wait. We can be involved in our waiting. We can give our lives to something bigger than ourselves as we wait. The resurrection changes everything. And it changed everything for Mary. 
Mary started this chapter grieving, weeping, thinking it was bad news upon bad news. But then look at verse 17. Jesus replied, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and she informed the disciples and she said, I mean, she exclaimed it. She said, I've seen the Lord. And she told them what Jesus had said to her. It changed everything for Mary. I think it's so fascinating, so interesting that, that at the very beginning, Mary was the first person to share the bad news that Jesus' body was missing with the disciples, but with just one encounter with the risen Lord, she was also the first person to share the good news that what Jesus had promised had come true. That he rose from the grave, that he conquered death, and that a whole new reality was dawning. It was really happening. And so believing this good news, like Mary here did, believing in the resurrection, it can change everything for us. It can change everything. We can now fully participate in this broken world that we wait in with a renewed hope. We can fully participate in it. Practically speaking, just some things here, it means that you can fully love your loved ones and, and not really lose them when you separate. It means you can give yourself generously your time, your talents, your resources over to kingdom endeavors and you can lose your life to them and that's still not the end of the story. Be believing this gospel means that in this world today we can give our lives to what is good and what is beautiful and what is true and what is just. We can spend our lives for these things and even if we die in pursuit of these things, that's okay because we worship a God who brings dead things back to life. Somehow in ways we can't discern right now, the things that we give our lives for and the things that we do out of love for God and in the power of his spirit, they will be a part of God's new world when he returns. That nothing given over to God is lost, ever. And this is all because of the resurrection and so that's how we wait. We now wait with hope. We wait with hope. We actively wait. We believe this gospel. We press into this gospel. We share this gospel. And again, we know that God brings dead things back to life. That's the good news. That's the good news. And my prayer this morning is that you would believe it. That's my prayer. You would believe this, that you would receive this, for some of you, maybe for the first time, for others, maybe the thousandth time, that you would believe Jesus and that you would be born again and that you would join him in his hope-filled resurrection work in this world today because it's happening and we know this because Jesus rose from the grave. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the hope of the gospel. And God, right now I pray that this message of hope by the power of your spirit would permeate every mind and heart in this room. Lord, I know that our natural response to good news is to get defensive and to get protective and to believe, you know, that's just not, it's too good to be true, but God, I pray that you would break down those barriers this morning. I pray for the individual who has never believed in this message, that they would place their faith in you this morning and that they would believe 
in this historical reality that your son Jesus rose from the grave, conquering sin and death, conquering all despair and hopelessness and loss. God, I pray for so many in this room who have been following you for many years but have lost that sense of hope in you. God, I pray that you would restore that this morning. Would you restore that to our church? Would you restore a burning sense of the reality of your resurrection and would it motivate and animate everything we do? That we can give our lives to your work and even when we die, it's not a loss because somehow, some way, it's gonna be a part of your new world when you return. Lord, we thank you for the hope of the resurrection. We thank you that we get to gather today and celebrate this and celebrate you. And so as we sing these last couple of songs, God, I pray, would you fill our hearts with hope? We pray all this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me?